Let's turn then in our Bibles to the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. I'm going to be reading from verse 29. Oh no, verse 30. Verse 30 to the end. Just 10 verses. 10 verses. And I hope to preach all 10 of those verses today. I know you're all giggling in yourselves like, Kyle, that's not possible. Kyle, you take too long. No, I will. I will. I, I've determined I try, I'll try at least. I will. Anyway, let me read it to you. Follow along in your own Bible as we look at God's word today. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after being marched around by the Israelites for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, welcomed the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. What more can I say? Time is too short to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength in weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Other people were tortured, not accepting release so that they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They died by the sword. They wandered around in sheepskins, in goatskins, destitute, afflicted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of any of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and in holes in the ground. All these were approved through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised, since God provided something better for us, so that they would not be made perfect without us. Amen. Amen. And we're, we're in the last of this great list, this great proclamation of faith that the writer in the book of Hebrews is doing. This great exhortation to the life of faith, of what faith truly and really looks like. And as we all know, because we've gone through the chapter, he has gone through the history of Israel. Well, history of the world, really. Biblical history, beginning in and with Abel going all the way up through the Old Testament into the prophets and into, into even like John the Baptist. And he's painting this picture of what it means to be faithful. And now he's getting into this, the, the coming down of it, as we would say. And it begins with this, with this uh, uh, small picture of Jericho. And of Rahab, the prostitute. Now, when I was reading and preparing for this this week, uh, I read John MacArthur. I always like to read John MacArthur. He's a very wise man who says a lot of smart things. And he says that in this, the writer identifies the four expressions of faith. Faith has four expressions, and they're not exclusive. They can, you can have all four together, or one single one, one that is clearly seen, but the others are all 
the others are always present, but you might be able to identify one at a time, if you don't understand what I mean. The first one that he says that it is the receiving. Faith receives. It comes empty-handed and it receives the promise. Second then is that it reckons out or counts out. It contemplates the difficulty. It doesn't come blindly and without any kind of common sense. It looks upon the challenge or what's required. It looks upon the difficulty of life and sums it up. But at the same time as looking at the difficulty, looking at the problem, looking at the trial, faith considers God in comparison. And he looks upon the molehill or the mountain of the trial and in reflection of how great God is, he knows that, that if he says, speaks in faith, mountain be torn up by the roots and thrown into the sea, that will happen. Jesus uses that expression. There is the contemplation, the counting out, the reckoning. Faith is not blind. It counts the cost. But in the light of the greatness of God. The third then is it takes the risk. It sees the impossible. Remember Moses before the Red Sea? What are we going to do, Moses? Hold on, boys. Be still and wait upon the Lord. See the greatness of God. When faced with worldly impossibilities, faith accepts that God is able to do the impossible. Remember Jesus saying, with man these things are impossible, but with God all things are possible. So faith or an expression of faith is it takes the risk. It goes beyond what is naturally and normally acceptable. And then the last expression of faith, according to John MacArthur, who got it from somebody else, of course, that's how life works, isn't it? It rests. True and real faith rests in the promise. It rests in the security that God is in control. It endures despite the trial, despite the difficulty. Though you may not know, you may not see light at the end of the tunnel, You as a believer know that God is in control and that you are abiding in him. These are the four expressions of faith. It receives, it reckons out, counts out, contemplates. It risks everything upon the word of God, upon the promise of God. And third, it rests. And we see that as we contemplate these last 10 verses in the chapter. And I hope to go through them, not necessarily quickly, but hopefully. Jericho, we know the story of Jericho. You should know the story of Jericho. It's one of the Sunday school favorites, you know. The Israelites, after their 40 years in the wilderness, in the book of Joshua, they're coming through. Remember they, the, the, the Jordan River? Splits in path and they cross with the Ark of the Covenant in front of them. Jericho itself was a frontier city. It was a city of tough, rough, hard people. The walls of the city 
according to the biblical narrative and according to archaeology, were so big that they could have two chariots. Think of two cars driving along the top of them. It was a massive city. It wasn't some small settlement. It wasn't like Essay or Larismo. It wasn't some... It, we're talking uh, several hundred thousand people living there with a full-time military and army. It was a frontier city. And by all accounts, by historical and archaeological accounts, it was a very wicked city. Part of the religious practices followed in this city was they would take babies and seal them up in jars, living babies, newborns. They would take them and put them in a jar, an oil jar, while they were still alive, and then they would place them inside the wall and wall them up as an offering to the gods to, for the walls, for protection, or whatever else. They were engaged in some of the worst. There's, I, I, I read a, a, a biblical archaeological book, and when archaeologists discovered the hieroglyphs and the paintings the, 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 of, of their religious practices, the little Swiss archaeologist who was doing it, said that he actually threw up. He said, of all the times that, that, I, uh, that he has discovered things, that was the first time there was ever a physical reaction because he realized that what he was seeing was hundreds, if not thousands of years of, of wickedness being fulfilled. It wasn't just that he just saw a picture and was like, oh, that's interesting. But for him, the reality of what was going on in this city and in the other cities of the Canaanites, what fathers were doing to their children, the wickedness that I will not speak from the pulpit, but sheer wickedness. So this wasn't just, just like a normal, normal city. Jericho was a symbol for the wickedness of, of the Canaanites. And we know the story goes that God had commanded the Israelites to walk around the city for six days. Well, they wandered, marched around it, blowing their trumpets, rams, horns. And then they would go back. On the seventh day, they marched around it seven times. And at the end of the seven times, the Levites blew their ram horn trumpets. That's how they sound, honestly. And that. Uh, and then all the Israelites would shout. Oh! We're told that the walls fell down. Fell down flat. There are those who post or whatever that is next. Um, that they fell like this. Others that they fell down like that. But whatever happened, the walls fell down without the Israelites having to storm the city. Without them having to do anything. Modern archaeologists believe that the weight of all the peoples gathered on the top of the walls actually caused the walls to, to crumble. The fact that they were, they were digging out of the wall and placing babies in the wall perhaps led to the, uh, the destruction of their own walls, whatever else. Don't know the details, but the walls fell down. And it was by faith. It wasn't by their Actions. These things were done in their faith in Christ. In what God had said. And then it goes on. In Rahab the prostitute. Now Rahab was a professional prostitute in the city of Jericho. 
That was her job. She was amongst those despised people classes. When the spies from Israel came, she welcomed them and, and says there, I think it's Joshua 2 and 6 perhaps, or 6 and 5. can't remember which one it was. It says, you're, the Lord your God is God. This woman was prepared. Of all the people in the city, this woman was prepared. And it's a great testimony to God moving in providence. That the spies met this lady. This woman who was already prepared to receive and recognize that the God of the Israelites was the true and real God. And we know the story. She lets down the red cord and, and she helps the, the prisoners escape and God preserves her when the walls fall down. God preserves her. And the interesting thing is that she gets married. Her son is Boaz. Everybody knows Boaz, of course. Who did Boaz marry? Ruth. Ruth. (laughs) The other one. Ruth. And Boaz and Ruth become the great, great grandparents of David. David being the ancestor of Jesus. That this woman Rahab becomes one of the ancestors of the Lord Jesus Christ. Her faith brings her in. But again, it wasn't, wasn't because of that she was a courageous person or because she was selfish. It was because of her faith in God. It says here that... Oh, so we see here in, here in this text... That true and real faith gives courage. The courage to act. The courage not to be defeated by daily routines. It gives us the courage to continue on. Even when we don't see immediate answers to our prayers. Could you imagine the Israelites. Apparently again that's what I read this week. It took about 78 hours for the Israelites to march around Jericho. It's not a small city. Seven, eight hours. A whole day's work with the whole army. So like as one part of the army is coming round, the second part is they can see each other as they're finishing. So it takes eight hours for the first person and it takes eight hours for the last person in the army. Whole day. From sun up to sundown perhaps. And they do the first day and they see nothing. They see, do the second day and they see nothing. Could you imagine the embarrassment of being a professional soldier and all of those people up on the wall? The Bible tells us that the inhabitants of Jericho came up on the walls to make fun of them. What are those crazy, half-human, crazy people out there doing? Those radicals, these slaves, escaped slaves from Egypt. What are they doing? And they're shouting at you from the wall and making fun. And there you do. Yeah, blow that horn all you want. We're not coming out. And there's a part of your mind says, how is that wall? You're trying not to look at the wall as you're marching around it. Because you're thinking, how is that wall going to fall? How? Like, look at the size of it. Look at all those people. With their bright, shiny armor. And here's us in our leather stuff. With sheepskins. How are we going to get through that? And yet they continued. Their faith in the promise of God gave them the courage to keep going. In the face of ridicule. In the face of not immediate answer to prayer. 
And of course, we know that in, as they kept God's word, as they did not turn from it, as they continued in it, God answered. And I would imagine even those who were believing were surprised when it happened. You know, you, you can believe, but then when it happens, you're like, oh, oh, praise God, hallelujah, amen. Wow, that's a little bit more than I expected. Whew. Our faith in Christ gives us the courage to go on and to, I would say, attack this world in a way that we know that God wins. Now, I'm not saying we get into terrorism or, or you know, radical kind of Christianity that, that, that protests and does what all those kind of things. But that we can approach the the things of this world, the unpure forms and fashions of this world, we can take the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ into any place, any situation, any community, and preach with the confidence to know that though they may have systems of religion, false religion in place, their culture is bigger and stronger, more impressive and frightening than ours, but we come with the promise that Jesus said, I will build my church and not even the gates of Hades will be able to reveal against it. We have the courage to be able to go on and to speak the truth that Jesus Christ is alive, that salvation comes in his name and in only his name. That all mankind stand in danger on the precipice of eternity. That life is as delicate as an eggshell and can be taken at any moment. And yet we can speak with confidence saying that Jesus Christ saves, provides life in this and in the, the next. It's by faith we do these things. Not by culture, not by tradition, not by, well that's you, you're like that. You're that kind of man. You're that kind of woman. All of our faith. Indeed it says in the book of Daniel that those people that know their God shall be bold or courageous. Full of confidence. And that they will do great things. We, ha we are those people who know their God. And therefore we should be confident. Not in our abilities. Not in the fact that we are able, but in the fact that Christ has said he is still building his church. He has said that from every nation, tribe and tongue, he shall summon people to his kingdom. Christ has died for his sheep. He has redeemed them. He has purchased them. They are his. Now we must go out and do the reaping. Preaching the gospel. And then it goes on. And what more can I say? Time is too short to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson. And it goes down the list. It goes down the list. Who conquered kingdoms, administered justice. Goes through a series of triplets. Three sets of triplets. But I'll not go into those things. The... Uh, we saw that it gives us confidence or courage. Now it helps us to continue on to endure those difficulties. It says that 
Some of them conquered, yes, but then others were overcome by hardship. And as Christians, we can't always think that we win. We can't always think that we come out on top, in this life at least. I come from the, uh, the name it and claim it tradition. The almost as if Christians always win. Oh, pray the Lord that we will, will succeed. And I think we should do that. But we must also understand and know that the biblical witness says that there will be times when we are required to lay down our lives. When we will be imprisoned for the faith. Look at John the Baptist, the greatest prophet to ever live. The greatest prophet to ever live. And yet his ministry ended in his head being taken from his shoulders because of the dancing of a 13-year-old, 14-year-old girl. And yet, glorious. Again, it's that upside down, back to front, wisdom of the Lord. And it's their faith that keeps them going through those times. We think of, it says here, um, shut the mouths of lions and quench the, the raging fire. Think of Daniel and his three friends, Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego. Beloved, there will come times in your experience when life will be a trial. Life will be a trial. Externally or internally, things will be difficult. Doesn't mean that God has deserted you. Doesn't mean that you have fallen into sin. Doesn't mean that the devil is having his way with you. And that God is helpless to protect you. It may be an opportunity for God to demonstrate his greatness through your weakness. Beloved, think of Job. Was there ever a more righteous man upon the earth? So much so that God God himself boasted about Job. And yet God allowed Job to endure because he had such faith in Job or faith in his own ability to keep Job. Job endured. Not because he was stubborn. Not because it was his culture. Not because he had support from his friends. Job's wife said, your breath smells, you have spots. Curse God and die. Isn't that a great wifely advice right there? Your breath stinks. You're covered in spots. Just curse God and die, for dear sake. She just wanted rid of him. Great woman that she was. And yet God gave Job the faith to carry on. He endured. And our faith in Christ Helps us to endure. Because we know that he is with us. We know that he is sovereign. We know that he is in control. We know that his glory is being fulfilled within our lives. And our steadfastness in him. Our endurance. That which we are going through. Speaks volumes to the people of this world. When we are able to endure weights that would break anyone else, they look and they'll say to us, how are you able to go through these things? 
Why are you not crushed? What's going on? Why do you have this secret strength? We're able to point out and say it is the Lord that upholds us and strengthens us. So beloved, we might not be sawn in two. We we may not die by the sword. We, We here in Finland are not enduring those things. But we know that our brethren in other places, in China, in Iraq, in Iran, in Saudi Arabia, many of the northern countries of Africa, where Christians are terribly persecuted and enslaved. In Libya right now, there is a slave market where Christians in particular are being targeted and they are being kidnapped and enslaved and sold on the world slave market, on the illegal slave market. People who are, are professing Christians because they won't fight back and they don't fight back. Or the family of Christians are being taken. Heart cry, I was told by... by um, don't like I say this because I forgot so. I, I know of a particular family that was rescued in Afghanistan from slavery. A Christian family from Afghanistan that was, was rescued. The, the uh, Taliban, when, when Joe Biden messed up and the Taliban came over and took over the country... Um, a Christian family, a mullah came and said to a Christian family, I'm going to marry your daughter. And this man's ancient. I've seen photographs of this man. This mullah, this uh, holy man with his other wives, and he says, I'm going to marry your daughter. I like her. And the guy spoke, we're Christians. And he says, well, she's not anymore. And so they took her. And I know that, that certain people organized a dramatic rescue, like something out of a movie. Something amazing and tra- I can't tell you, but it was just amazing the story of how they rescued. But that slavery is going on. That family did not resist and they endured and they took it to the Lord. Now that they have been rescued and they're living somewhere else and God has just been wonderful to them. But the true and real glory isn't that, that the Lord delivered them. And I think that's marvelous and wonderful but it is the fact that they continue to be Christian in the, in, even though they were kidnapped, even though they, they never once denied their faith, they never once spoke against the Lord Jesus Christ. They continued on and they had the faith to believe that Christ would either deliver them in this life or the next, but they would not deny him. Beloved, you and I, we might never go through those circumstances. But we will face situations in our lives where we will have to endure. Where we will have to continue on for the sake of Christ. Even though you don't feel like it. Even though you might not have any strength on yourself. You might get up and cry day and daily. You might be embittered in your heart or whatever. But because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you endure. Christians, we we are called to continue and to be faithful. Not to a system of theology, not to a certain church. But to Jesus and to Jesus alone. And that's why we keep going and that's why we continue. The Bible says here that the world was not worthy of such people. 
The world is not worthy of such people. Again, think of this. This is the people at the bottom of the world system. The despicable and the despised. What did Hillary Clinton call the, the, the Trump supporters? The despicables? A basket of despicables or whatever they were. Deplorables. Something like this. That's Christians in the world's eyes. It hates us. You say, well, Kyle, I, I live, my neighbors don't hate me. Well, you start telling them, pointing out to them that their way of living isn't acceptable to God and that it ends with them going to, ha- not to heaven, but to the other place, hell. You point out to them that no matter what they do, they will never please God. And you'll certainly find out their attitude changes quickly. Beloved, we must continue on. And though the world might despise us, it will never be worthy. It's again the upside downness of it. And then we go to the, the third point. It considers salvation. We've looked at it, it gives us courage. We've looked at it, it helps us to endure suffering or to continue through suffering. Now it is that we consider our salvation. The, where it all ends, verse 39 and 40. The people of the Bible, they never received the promise. They were waiting on something, whether... Ultimately, we know Galatians tells us that it was the promise was the Messiah, eternal life in Him. And all those people in the Old Testament, uh, they didn't have the revelation that you and I have. They were looking to a promise to be fulfilled, not knowing when it was going to be fulfilled, not knowing how it was going to be fulfilled, but believing that God would make a way where there was no way. You and I, beloved, we, we, we're on the other side of history. To you and I, so much has been given. Because we're not looking to something that we do not know. We look back to Jesus Christ. God made flesh in the fullness. And we're able to say with our whole heart, we know that it is true. We see it is true. And that the Holy Spirit is given to us in the fullness of measure. And that God has stamped us with his seal. That we have been fully and completely reconciled together with God. Indeed, the Holy Spirit lives within you. Not just that you know God or you're aware of him. But rather the Bible says that he's actually indwelling within you. You might say, well, I don't feel like God living inside me. So... He's in you. The reality of Him. He is preserving you and protecting you from the influences of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Those people of old were looking forward to something happening. You and I, beloved, we live in the reality of it. We live in the fullness of it. But even then, beloved, we still have the hope of future salvation. We in this life, we deal with all the difficulties of this life. And as our ongoing battle with sanctification and, and the remnants of sin 
The remnants of the flesh, the remnants of this world that are continually battling against us. The, the devil and his temptations, not the devil, a devil, or demonic temptations. Trying to make us doubt, trying to make us afraid, trying to make us hesitant and to smother our faith as individuals and as a community. Trying to put that basket over the lamp to snuff us out. But praise God, we know again that the Bible says they overcame the devil by the word of by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So we know that in the end we overcome. We know that as we continue on, even in our weakness, we triumph. Beloved, you and I live in the reality of it. So don't give up. Don't give in. I could add your name to this list. You say, well, that's cat. You don't know me if you think that. Let me tell you, you are one of the, the champions of the faith. Do you not remember Jesus when he talked about John the Baptist? What did Jesus say about John the Baptist? He's the greatest man who's ever lived. He is the greatest man who's... Greatest man who's but yet, the least in the kingdom of heaven will be greater than him. Think about that. Think you go, John the Baptist was like, down here. Many ways that could be true. But Jesus is not a liar, nor did he make a mistake. Somehow, in some way, you are fulfilling the word of Christ. And we could add your name here and your circumstances, your situation, and you would fit in here. Not because of your deeds, but because of the faith that God has given you, that you will continue on, that you will endure, that you will be conscious, and you'll be excited about the salvation that is to come. So we live in the reality of of faith given today but also again you and I look for a life that is yet to come when there will be no more tears no more sadness no more death when this world and all that's in it will fade away and we enter into a new world a new life new heavens a new earth the eternity that is to come that is our great hope the resurrection. So beloved again. As we're finishing this chapter. This f- chapter that teaches us what faith is. What it looks like in the believer's life. The way of faith. We must always remember that it's not always plain sailing. Indeed I think we looked at it last week and said. I think it was last week or the week before. It's hard in my mind to things that great faith endures great trials and the greater your faith the greater the trial that you will go through to him who much is given much is required the bible says if you have little faith the lord's not going to dump a pyramid on you and say work your way out the lord's not going to bring you into terrible things if you've got little faith They'll give you as much as you can handle. And as much as you can handle. It's like weight training and and putting the weights on the bar. But beloved, our Christian experience isn't one of 
should not be one of plain sailing, but it should be one of victory. Where we are moving from glory to glory, not in a worldly sense, not where we have golden trumpets and disco balls and celebrations, and that's in the air, like, whoa, like the Roman Catholic Church with all of their gold and their ceremonies, their celebrations, the world looks upon them and applauds. But in a true and real sense, where the eye of faith sees and knows, beloved, you and I are called to a greater walk with Christ, that we might know him all the more. Look unto Jesus. Amen. Let's leave it there. Apparently, Lily has told me that that's the end. <laughs>